Amen. Father, this morning, we thank you for the revelation of yourself to us through Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't serve a God that is unknowable, but has made himself known, who sent his own son as a sacrifice for our sins to eliminate the gap between you and us so that we could know you, not just as, as a rumor that you exist or as some kind of a full philosophical understanding, but that we could know you intimately as our Father, as a lover of our souls, as the one who literally calls us into the family and bids us to sit down in your presence, not as strangers, not as outsiders, but as friends and family. We thank you for that today. We revel in that. It's, as the psalm writer said, it's such knowledge is almost too lofty for us, but we thank you, God, that you have made yourself known to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Worship team, thank you so much. Wow. Praise God. You know, they were practicing stuff this morning, and I was working on the one song, and I said, guys, just sing it. <laughs> and uh, just amazing time. Praise the Lord. Well, amen. It's good to see you here. Uh, one announcement that I wanted to make that uh, uh, Mark didn't really focus in on is on September 18th. Everybody say 18th. 18th is our official Sunday for kicking off everything this fall. And so on that Sunday, we're going to be having a uh, kind of a truncated service. You know, we'll be finishing up a little early that Sunday. Huge barbecue and everything going on. Uh, all kinds of activity, bouncy castles and stuff like that for the kids outside. It's going to be an amazing day. So you invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite your enemies, invite people that you don't even know yet. Uh, just invite them to be here. They're going to have a great time. Uh, be an awesome day for the family and friends to gather together. We don't want you to miss out on it. So it's Sunday. What Sunday? 18th. That's right. So we'll get Labor Day done. We'll get one more week under our belt. And with everybody coming back in and us letting them know what's happening the next week. And then on the 18th, we're going to have ourselves a celebration in the house. So we don't want you to miss it. So that's why we're letting you know now, plenty of time on the 18th. So if you're watching online, don't be online that day. I mean, come on here and be here in person, all right? We encourage you to be here in person. You don't want to miss it. Well, praise the Lord, it's Sunday. Whew, I love Sunday. Uh, it's a busy day for me, but I love Sunday. And a little busier today because I got to do pro presenter today as well as preach. So kind of back and forth between the, the front and the back. But it's uh, interesting sitting at the back. You get to uh, observe some things that uh, you uh, don't see when you're standing at the front with your back to everybody. So, um, you know, didn't notice anybody sleeping this morning. That's good. Uh, really happy to, to report that. And, uh, you, know, uh, I, you know, I noticed the people that have small bladders. Uh, you know, I've seen that. Uh, but anyway... I want you to know God loves everyone. Amen. Now, Andrew, where did, where did Sophia go? Well, I was just so excited to have Andrew and Sophia here with little Hudson uh, this morning. Amen. And congratulations, guys. Let's put our hands together, even though uh, they're not in here right now. Amen. 
Andrew just sitting back. Ah, oh, yeah, I did my work. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we're really happy for you guys. It's awesome. And he's a cute little boy. I mean, I don't know if you saw the photos on Facebook and stuff, but my goodness. And he was a big one. So we're uh, praising the Lord with you guys. That's fantastic. Well, how many know it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord? Too hot to be outside anyway. So you may as well be in here where it's air conditioning. We even cranked it down to 68. So it would kind of stay here for you for the whole day. And we'd stay on top of it. So uh, you can relax. Uh, by the end of the service, the ladies will be putting the sweaters on. But it's going to be... It's going to be perfect temperature for the preacher, let me tell you that. Now, hopefully it won't cause me to go and be elongated because, you know, I'm, I'm nice and cool up here, but uh, we'll see what God does this morning, and uh, we're really excited about it. So, talking about principles of the kingdom, and uh, we began with the first principle, Matthew 6, uh, 33, right, uh, which uh, says, seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's called the principle of transcendence, that the kingdom is to come first in everything. So it comes before our work decisions, it undergirds our educational decisions, our family decisions. We live our lives according to the kingdom of God. It's the principle of transcendence. Kingdom transcends everything that we're doing. Second principle was the principle of freedom. And that took us a couple of weeks because freedom, biblical freedom, not, you know, uh, freedom as we protest about in our country all the time, but biblical freedom is the marriage of two things, of choice and responsibility, right? If you have choice without responsibility, you have anarchy. And if you have responsibility without choice, you have slavery. But when you put the two together, choice and responsibility, then you have what is, is biblically called the life of freedom, where we recognize that every decision we make impacts others. I'm, I am free, as Paul said. Everything is permissible. Everything is, is, is not necessarily, though, beneficial. So Paul said, I will not be mastered by anything because he knew his decisions had impact on others. So that is biblical freedom. And the kingdom of God is a free kingdom. The Bible says it is for freedom that God has set you free. So don't go back and yoke yourself as a slave to sin once again, but remain free. Amen? Amen. He created you to be free. Third principle, Pastor Mark talked about while I was away, and he talked about the principle of service-based power, how we get uh, the authority to speak in someone's life by getting underneath them and lifting them up rather than trying to uh, minister to them from the top down. That Christ example, exemplified that with the disciples. He got down, he washed their feet, and he said, whoever wants to be great among you must become what? the least and become the servant of all. And so you come underneath them and you lift them up. And when you lift them up, the world pays attention to what you're doing. Amen. Then the fourth principle we began a few weeks ago, which is going to take us a while to get through because it's a big one, is the principle of the harvest. The father is so intent that his kingdom uh, operates uh, on earth according to his principles that he ingrained like none of the other principles he put this one right into the dna of every living thing the principle of the harvest the principle of sowing and reaping the principle of life comes from life this principle 
is active throughout all of creation. And it is not that God's uh, heavenly kingdom is a reflection of the creation. The creation is a reflection of the heavenly kingdom. God created this world to operate underneath the principle of the harvest. And he has instituted that for us so that seed time and harvest and sowing and reaping and all of these other phrases that we have are a reflection of his divine kingdom. The kingdom operates according to this and our world operates according to this so much so that we call it a law, right? And we talked about that the first Sunday, not a, not a legalistic law that if you don't follow it, you know, you're sinning uh, as in the Mosaic law, but no, no, no. I'm talking about a law that goes further back than that. That goes right back to Genesis that God created the animals two by two and he told them to go forth and reproduce after their kind. And so the principle of harvest is is literally uh, all through our creation. And so today, we've looked at three of those laws of the harvest. We looked at the first one, which was we reap only what has been sown. So in other words, everything that gets reaped has been sown by somebody, whether by God in the beginning to get it all going, and it's just been growing in the wild ever since. Some of you say, amen, I see it happening all the time. Or... You know, somebody put a seed intentionally in the ground and it came forth and brought a harvest or somebody sowed something in the kingdom and it came forth and brought a harvest. And sometimes because of this beautiful thing, we get to reap where we didn't even sow. How many have ever experienced that in your life? Sure you have. There's no such thing as the self-made man or woman. We've all reaped what other people have sown and invested in us. Even the country we live in as flawed as it is, is still one of the greatest places on earth to live. And we have this country because uh, those who went before us sowed the seeds of, of democracy and of the elements that we have in this land. And we get to reap the benefit every day that we uh, walk around this country or travel around the world with our Canadian passport. We reap the benefit of what others have sown. Then the second... Uh, principle we talked about was that we reap in the same kind as we have sown. That if you throw corn into the ground, you're going to get corn. If you sow kindness, you're going to get kindness, right? If you sow finances, hello, then God is obligated and he will bless you in return, right? And, and he does that because he wants to take care of you. He cares for you. And so the law of the harvest is not just limited to, you know, uh, strawberries and peas and corn. It's, it's filtered throughout all of the activity that we do on this planet. And then last week we talked about we reap in a different season than we sow. And this is important in our microwave generation to realize sometimes you put a seed in the ground and the harvest doesn't come for a long time. You know, there's these bugs, uh, cicadas, cicadas, how do you say it, cicada? Did you know they only show up every seven years? That's just weird. That's just weird to me. But every seven years, these things come. And it was just the last year or the year before they showed up. And people were literally out shoveling them uh, by the truckload and throwing them in the, in the garbage and everything else. Because they, 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 they come only every seven years. However, their eggs are laid. And they take seven years before they germinate. They live for like a few weeks and they're over and they plant their seeds. And then seven years later, oh, there they go again. That's weird. How many know that's weird? You know? These, this is this one of those things that's just weird to me, but everything else seems to have an annual cycle, but not them. 
It's a seven-year cycle. And then sometimes, did you know you can put seed in the ground and, uh, and, and in the desert this happens, that there's a number of times that, that, that's rained in, in Palm Desert in, Cal, you know, in California and Arizona, and it's, it's just dead there all the time. But every time it rains, every few years it rains, whenever it does, boom, instantly flowers come to life. They've been buried in the ground for who knows how long, these seeds, but as soon as they receive the rain, they come to life. So we have to realize sometimes we put a seed in the ground and it doesn't come to fruition for a very long time. But there is seed time and harvest. There is a time uh, to sow and a time to reap. And so we have to understand that principle is at work in our life as well. So don't be impatient. Sometimes the harvest on your seeds just going to take some time and you got to be willing to wait. Oh, how everybody say, I love to wait. You're a bunch of liars. You do not love to wait. Pastor just caused me to sin, caused me to say something that isn't actually true. Uh, you know, now most of us don't like to wait. Let's be honest. Now, number four, principle we're going to talk about today. This is my favorite one of all. All right. This is the principle and it's throughout all creation. It's true in the kingdom. Everybody say this with me. We reap more than we sow. Say it again. We reap more than we sow. Everybody say more. 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 Shout it more. Now I think you're getting it. Now I think you're getting it. We reap more than we sow. Luke 6, 38 says, given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And I used to read that and think, oh, that means that we only get back what we put out. No, no, no. It's just saying, God's just saying with whatever measure you put out, he has a divine principle on that, that it'll be given back to you, but it'll be overflowing. It'll still be according to what you give. If you give dime, maybe it'll come back a hundredfold or, or 200 fold, but it's, it's, it's understood that it is bountiful and that comes back to you bountifully. And this is the way God's kingdom operates. How many know it's beautiful that it operates this way. How many know it's a good thing it operates this way? It is indeed a good thing that it operates this way. And there's no fact more significant and more amazing than the fact that we reap more than we sow. I think this is, is probably such an important aspect of the kingdom and we need to get it into our spirit. That uh, God is a debtor to no man, so the harvest is always gonna be greater than what the seed that is planted. If this were not the case, no farmer would bother to ever work. Think about it. If you went out into the garden and you took the seeds from one tomato and all you ever got back was one tomato, farming would be an exercise in futility. If this principle were not true, that we reap more than we sow, farming would be useless and we'd all starve to death. But the reality is we get back way more than we sow. Way more than we sow. I'm going to illustrate that this morning, and you may have seen this illustration before. If you did, you'll see it again. An apple. An apple. How many seeds are there in this apple? Anybody want to take a guess? I heard 20, I heard 10. 
six. I heard six. Well, let's cut this one out and see. Brought napkins so I don't make a mess. Suspense is just killing everybody, I can tell. There's another one there, so that makes five. There's another there, six. It looks like this one had, everybody say it together, six. Now, typically, apples can have up to five pods inside, and each pod can contain two seeds. So you can get anywhere from usually four to 10 seeds in an apple. I'm sure there are times when it's maybe a little greater than that or whatever, but, but basically that's what you get. And the real question today though, for us, isn't how many seeds are in an apple. The real question is how many apples are in a seed? You see, if you take an apple with its 10 seeds and you drop it into the ground and it takes root and it grows into an apple tree, the real question is how many apples are in the seed? How many apples, how much potential of life is there according to the law of the harvest that you reap more than you sow? You take that apple and instead of eating it, you place it in the ground and you carefully plant that thing. When it comes forth and brings forth life, there are literally not just hundreds, but thousands of apples in those seeds as they bring forth life. Amen? And we need to understand that simple illustration with an apple is for us a message about the harvest principle that we definitely reap more. Everybody say more. More than we sow. Hallelujah. See, God created a world in which the return on our investment is immense. God created a world in which... If we will invest, then God will make it much. In which if we will sow, God has guaranteed us that we will reap more than we sow. And this is not just true in the agricultural world. It is true for nearly every aspect of human existence. For the physical, the spiritual, uh, for the emotional, for believers and unbelievers alike. This principle still holds true that you reap more than you sow. It's the fourth law of the harvest. We live in a world where you reap more than you sow. Now, like all these laws, it works in the negative as well as the positive. And a lot of times preachers love to preach the negative on this. And, uh, you know, you can go to Galatians and, and you know, and, and chapter 6, Paul, uh, Paul says, you know, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked for whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. And if we reap to the flesh of the flesh, we'll reap destruction. And if we sow to the spirit of the spirit, we'll reap eternal life. And so we, and I've heard so many preachers preach that and they spend almost all the time talking about if you sow to the sin of, or to the flesh of the flesh, you'll reap destruction. And, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time there, but then we're going to get to the other side. Everybody say the other side. 
but we will look at this side first, all right? This law does work uh, on the negative side as well. And when we sow uh, evil, when we sow discord, when we sow, uh, you know, unkindness, when we sow anything in the negative, there's a harvest on that as well. Now, the beautiful thing is that due to God's grace, God's grace, if there is genuine repentance, if there is genuine change, then the beautiful thing is God has made it so that his grace cuts off so much of what we should have reaped from what we sowed. I'm riding with my mom one day in the car. I drove her up to uh, Kingston to a clinic. She was getting some cataracts removed. So it was one of those times when, you know, last few years when I don't get a lot of one-on-one time with my mom, but I'm riding in the car with her on the way back from Kingston and she looks over at me in the car and she says, you know what? It's not fair. And I said, what's not fair? She said, you, her words, you were an absolute hellion as a teenager. Uh, don't hold back, mom. Tell me what you really think. She said, you caused your mother, your father and I so much grief as a teenager. You were just like, terrible. I'm like, okay. I said, true, you know? And then she said, and yet your kids are so good. It's just not fair. See, Derek, she thinks you're good. (laughs) And, and, you know, and I looked at her, I looked across my mom and I said, you know what? I said, that's just God. He's, I said, we serve an unfair God. She said, oh, come on. She said, God's fair. If God's not fair, then nobody's fair. I said, no, when it comes to God's grace and the demonstration of his love for us, he's completely unfair. I said, none of us get what we deserve. (laughs) Someone say amen. And uh, I said, the beautiful thing is that in the unfair kingdom of God, by his grace, none of us get what we deserve. Hello? Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Praise the Lord. I don't, I don't reap the punishment I deserve and the blessings that I do reap, I don't deserve. That's the God's grace. Hallelujah. And you're like, wow. So in the light of that, how is there a negative side of this? Well, here it is. The negative side is, is that even though we're saved, grace has freed us, we're liberated, there's still times, how many know there's still times when we do things we shouldn't do? And sometimes the most powerful way in which the New Testament talks about how negative things can produce a, in a huge harvest is with our tongue. The things that we say, the things that we repeat, the things that we put on social media, the things that we you know, speak are the things that seem to have, despite the incredible love and grace of God, an ability to still reproduce. James said, consider the tongue, right? Consider the tongue. It's like a deadly poison and a restless fire. Are you hearing me this morning? Let me read that to you. James chapter three, verse five and six. So also he said, the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire. The entire course of our life is set on fire by hell. Wow, that's a crazy verse. Proverbs 10, 19, where there, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. 
Proverbs 12, 13. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will escape from trouble. Proverbs 13, 3. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Wow. Those are strong words all about the power of the tongue. So despite the truth that the eternal consequences for my behaviors are taken and nailed to the cross, sometimes in this realm, the negative principle of the harvest is at work, and it's mostly at work, not just on on your tongue, but most evident on the tongue. Certainly other activities, things that we do, how many homes have been impacted by, you know, extramarital affairs, how many homes have been impacted by the, 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 the weight of divorce and sickness and all kinds of things that come along, they can be there, right? It's true. However, I think the Bible pays special attention to the power of the tongue. It teaches us that there's a bountiful harvest that gets realized on the things that people declare and confess. And remember, the harvest is larger than the seed sown. So James makes these shocking comparison, and he compares the tongue to fire, like I said, to a poison, to a deadly evil. And, and, and he's trying to make us realize that we need to guard our tongue. Now, I'm always amazed at what people will put on social media. I have to be honest with you. It's not your hairdresser. Not your bartender. You don't just tell it everything. All right? But some of the things, I'm like, and, and then Christians will post stuff on there. I'm like, why? Well, because it was my opinion. All right, but do you need to share it with the whole world? Tell your wife. Tell your best friend. But you don't need to tell everybody. Because usually you give it without context. You give it without proper relational connection. And once you put it and you hit send it's out for the whole world. Now, most of us aren't famous enough that the rest of the world really gives two rips about what we say uh, outside of our immediate circle, but how many celebrities and people have we seen that have been, what do they call it, uh, culturally shamed? Is that what they call it? Or, you know, uh, because of something they said 10, 15 years ago and put it on Twitter or whatever, and now it comes back to haunt them, right? Because once you put it out there, it's out there for how long? forever and ever. Amen. It's true. And uh, it's, it's really quite profound how fast it can spread and how much damage it can do. So can I encourage you? As my dad used to say to me, and probably your dad and mom said to you, if you haven't got anything good to say, Wow, you've heard it too. Sage advice from a wise generation. Hallelujah. And we should probably apply it to our lives. Amen? All right, so let's talk about the positive side, though, of the tongue. Amen? Let's talk about the positive side. Just as the tongue has the power to tear down and destroy, it also has the incredible power to dispense life. And it has the ability to be used to sow seed, which will produce a much, much greater harvest than what is sown. Are you hearing me this morning? When God had in his heart creation, 
He didn't just sit on what was in his heart. The Bible says that he spoke and it was so. He spoke and the plants reproduced after their kind. He spoke and the, the oceans were filled and the, and the forests were filled with teeming with life. And he spoke and it was so. Amen. And he used the creative power in his voice to declare these things to be so. And we are like God in that we have been born again to be talking spirits and we can declare with the authority things from our own heart and our own life that we don't just leave it sitting up here, but we speak it and declare it and it brings forth life and brings forth harvest. Are you hearing me? That power is within our tongue. That power lives and resides within each one of us. Hallelujah. Listen to the words of a poem. You may have heard this before, but... I think it bears repeating here this morning. It says, if children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. If children learn with live with pity, then they learn to feel sorry for themselves. If they live with ridicule, they learn to feel shy. If they live with jealousy, they learn to feel envy. If they live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. But, everybody say but. If children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If they live with tolerance, they learn patience. If they live with praise, they learn appreciation. If they live with acceptance, they learn to love. If they live with approval, they learn to like themselves. Amen. If they live with recognition, they learn that it's good to have a goal. If they live with sharing, then they learn generosity. If they live with honesty, they learn truthfulness. If they live with fairness, they learn justice. If they live with kindness and consideration, then they learn respect. If they live with security, then they learn to have faith in themselves and in about those about them. And if they live with friendliness, then they learn the world is a nice place in which to live. Amen. And how do we learn? First and foremost, we learn by hearing. In fact, the Bible says of the gospel that how will they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone tells them? Every time we open up our mouth and speak to our children and to our grandchildren, to our neighbor's children, to our friends, to our coworkers, we are either creating something on the negative side of the ledger or the positive. And when we speak creatively into our children's lives, it produces a bountiful, harvest. Our children will accomplish more than us, do more than us, in many ways excel and exceed beyond us if we will practice sowing the seeds, the right kind of seeds, into their life. And we sow some of the best seeds just by the simple things that we say. Amen? So important. How many of these elements does your child live with? Simply by what you say. What kind of an environment are we building in our homes by what we say? And, and not just to our children, but to each other, to the people around us. Do they hear us condemning one another? Do they hear us speaking down to one another? Or do they see exemplified in front of them? building one another up, encouraging one another, speaking life into one another. Is it any wonder that the scripture challenges us with these words? Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, This day 
I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And then it goes on and says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it, love life, will eat its fruit. See, there will be much fruit if we will speak life. I try to be a life talker. You know, we go to Starbucks and they'll talk to us about, you know, you guys are always in a good mood. That's because we're, we're basically, we try to be the same people 24-7. Yeah, everybody has a down day. Everybody has a bad moment. Every once in a while, you know, you hit your thumb with a hammer and, and uh, you're not thinking the best thoughts at that moment. How many have been there? You know, every once in a while, your kid just drives you crazy and you're like, Whoa, bless the Lord for my child who has got such a strong character and independent spirit. Hallelujah. Right? And, and those aren't necessarily the first thoughts that come to your mind. Come on, we can be honest here. But the reality is, if we will speak life into those situations and, and into our children and into the people that are close to us, it will produce a great harvest. And it's one of those harvests that 30, 60, 100 fold. It'll come back to us. If you sow generously in word and in deed into the lives of your children, you will reap a bountiful harvest. As I said at the beginning, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. If you measure out from your heart and give your very best, it's going to come back to you in wave after wave after wave. Well, pastor, I was really nice to somebody the other day and they were just mean back to me. Remember last week's lesson, you know, sometimes uh, we reap in one season and we get to sow in another. True story. When I was pastoring in Lindsay, there's this one young lady and oh my goodness, she could not stand me. She worked hard to make my life miserable. True, true story. And she admitted to me years later, I worked overtime to make your life miserable. I know. But she came to me and she said, but you know what? All the things that you spoke, all the words that you, you, all the times that you prayed for me, she says, and I rebelled against it. I want you to know that it stuck with me and that I'm where I am today because of what you sowed. Didn't reap until years later, but she admitted that she worked overtime and I didn't see the harvest until years later. But then she was able to come back and tell me the harvest that came from what I spoke and the things that we did with her. Amen? Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes the Bible says, train a child in the way they should go. And then what's the promise? How does that verse finish it for me? When they're old, they won't depart from it. So I'm not guaranteeing that all that speaking, you won't still get some years where you're going, for the love of God, what are you trying to do? Kill me? You might have some of those days where you feel like that. You might. And, you know, they can have this way of just, how many know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, our kids were perfect. We, pastor, we never experienced any of that. Right. 
You know, you'll have days like that. But the Bible promises us that if we sow the seed, we will reap the harvest. Amen? Amen? Now, let's just talk a little bit in closing uh, how this affects not just our words and our relationships to others and family, but this principle of reaping more than you sow, it, it affects just about every aspect of life. And I want to talk here just for a minute. I don't usually stop and talk about this, but I feel the need to do it this morning. It also affects your finances. I listened to two great messages this past week by uh, Creflo Dollar. He was talking about, about giving and and about what giving looks like under grace. And man, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, he's taken a lot of heat for it because people said, you know, have accused him of, you know, uh, ripping uh, into the scripture on tithing and all kinds of stuff. And I won't give it all away. You need to watch them. They're really good. But the bottom line is that he says that, and this is how he, how he would sum it up, that giving is simply this. It is a testament to how much you believe that you can trust God to take care of you. That our giving is a testament to how much we trust God to take care of us. And, and when we think that it's about, you know, oh, I'm just going to give 10 so I can get 100 back, he said, he said, God may honor that, but you're missing the entire point that God wants to know if you trust him. Do you trust him? Brennan Manning, who is a, a former Jesuit priest who fell away from God, became an alcoholic. God redeemed him and brought him back into the kingdom. And he spent the rest of his life talking about this marvelous message of grace. Grace, the grace of God. The grace of God. And, and, and Brennan Manning, uh, you know, when he tells his story, when he talks about, about the grace of God operating in his life, he makes sure that all those that hear him understand that when we, we give, when we live, and everything we do, we do out of a heart of gratitude for what God has done for us. And if you think about it, you know, if you read the scripture, especially post-gospels, because how many know some of the things that Jesus said in the gospels, he was still speaking under law, right? I'll give you one illustration. He said when when he was first saved, you know, he used to go around and quote the scripture, you know, uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? And that that's your first and highest commandment. And when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they asked him, they said, what is the greatest commandment? That was his response. He said, well, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like unto the first, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And, uh, and then Creflo pointed out, he goes, but that was Jesus answering a question about the law. That's not how the kingdom works under grace. And I was like, whoa! I've preached that sermon many times, hammering on people how you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. He said, it didn't take me very long as a Christian where I realized that I fail at that every day. He said, I don't love the Lord with all my heart, all my strength, all my mind. He said, no, I still love my mammy. I love my wife. I don't have the ability to love God with everything. He said, because I have other things that I love. And, and he said, but that was Jesus talking about, well, the greatest commandment under the law and the law was set as a standard that no man could reach. 
so that the law reveals, read Paul's writings in Romans, the law exposes unto us our sinful nature because we cannot attain it. Right? No, how many know nobody was ever saved under the law? It was impossible because no person could keep the law. That whether you're Old Testament or New Testament, even the saints of the Old Testament, their faith was in a Redeemer who was yet to come. That's why Jesus says in John uh, 6, I believe it, or John 8, I should say, he says, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. He saw the day that God would send the deliverer and he rejoiced. So Abraham, old covenant, was still saved by a faith going forward. Ours is in a faith in what's already happened, right? Are you hearing me today? I am saved because of what Jesus did, what Jesus did. But the reality is the new covenant principle about law is simple. It's not love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That was old covenant. The new covenant is you can now love because Christ first loved you. Greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. Right? I'm able to love because Jesus first loved me. And I'm not saved because I, I, I keep that law of love perfectly. I'm saved because of Christ's love for me. Am I making any sense to anybody? That's how it works. That's how it works. And when it comes to the kingdom of God and the principle of the harvest, love much, you'll get a huge harvest from it. Love much, give much, you'll get a huge harvest from it. But do it out of a heart of gratitude, a heart that is overflowing with how much God has done for you. For me, I love to give because God has given me so much. I am overwhelmed with all the things that God has done for me. I look at my life and I think, where would I be if I had not met Jesus? If he had not encountered me and ripped me from the path that I was on, I can't even imagine. So my heart is filled with gratitude. Is yours? If it is, then, you know, giving and all that kind of stuff, all of it falls under the same grace that I cannot outgive the Lord. I cannot surpass what he's done for me. And when I do give, God has promised that he'll multiply it. Whether he multiplies it in the way he did the loaves and the fishes and that it produces an abundant harvest in the people that I, I, I sow it to or I give it to or work with, or whether it comes back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will still produce a harvest much greater than what I sowed. Someone say amen. Well... I'm out of time. Stand together this morning. Wow. Aren't you glad that you reap more than you sow? Aren't you thrilled that you reap more than you sow? I know I am. I'm glad that everything that I have sown, whether perfectly or not, has produced a great harvest. I see it in my kids. I see it in my grandkids. It started with the two of us. Looked at each other with love in our eyes. Joy in our hearts. And now we have 12 grandkids that just some days drive us crazy, but also produce love in our hearts. Joy in our hearts. Amen. And we were able to go away on vacation and spend a time at cottages with all of our kids and grandkids and came home exhausted, but overwhelmed with how blessed we are and how God is giving back to us every day what we sowed into him. Amen? Principle of the harvest. You reap more than you sow.
How much do you reap? More. How much do you reap? More. How much do you reap? More. You reap more than you sow. We see it everywhere in creation all around us. Do you also believe it's true in his kingdom? It's true. So he who sows generously will also reap generously. Have a generous spirit. doesn't matter whether it comes to friendship, love, or finances. Be generous, and you'll reap generously. Amen? Father, we just thank you. The truth of the harvest. Father, every one of us in this place lives in a kingdom where you declared that we will reap more than we sow. I thank you, Lord, that that principle of harvest is true and that, Lord, you want to activate it through every one of us. That, Father, as we'll step out in faith and we will sow seeds of joy, kindness, finances, blessing, uh, uh, mercy, grace, as we will sow those seeds everywhere we go, that we will see a return on our harvest. Father, many of the seeds we're going to sow with nothing but our mouth. We're going to sow it by our confession. We're going to sow it by our words of kindness and joy and grace and mercy. And we will see a harvest on what we've sown that is greater than the seed sown. And we thank you for that truth today. That Father, the truth of multiplication, not addition, is summed up in the fact that we reap more than we sow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So counting down to September 18th, time is moving fast. We've got a few weeks left in August and then it's like only a month away and we're going to be celebrating with everybody here. Make sure you invite everybody you can think of to come on out. God bless you. Have an amazing week in Jesus. We'll see you next week.